What's up, guys? It's Eric. Spider-Man was talking to Maggie about LSD that he got from his brother. Hey, guys, this is Joe. That's one of the advantages of being an adult. You get to act like a kid anytime you feel like it. Melanie Parker's life was under control, but that's all it was until Jack came along. I'm not like every other man you know. I'm not like every other woman you know. And he might be. He's flirting with me. Just what she needs. You were flirting with me. Michelle Pfeiffer. He really is altogether yummy now. George Clooney. What Don't. would you do if I kissed you right now? One fine day. Do you want to kiss me? I right wouldn't now? have mentioned it if I didn't. Rated PG. Sneak preview Saturday opens December 20th. You're listening to Worth a Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time and see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not too bad, Eric. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Joe and I don't think that we can hear each other's AC on this, but if, if you're listening to this and you're like, why is there like a weird buzzing going on in the background? It's because it's 90 degrees in Massachusetts and we're both... You know, you guys are going to have to listen to it because I don't we're amateurs, so we're sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. We're doing this for free. It's, you know, we're not professionals, so deal with it. But yeah, no, it's good. You've been watching anything good on, on TV? Still continue with trying. It's one of those things like you were mentioning with um, your show, this weekly releases. So you have to kind of wait each Friday yep. for a new episode. But I did for the first time. I know it's a little old. I watched The Conjuring for the first time, that horror film, because of the third one out. Um, or I, yeah, it, was just, it, was just, it just came out. So I watched the first one. I'll be watching the second one this week, but it wasn't that bad. Like I, I thought like it was, I didn't realize it was, it was well received and it really was. So it's a pretty cool take on the whole exorcism stuff. And Patrick so, Wilson is awesome. Some behind the scenes info on the new one on HBL max is someone is having problems streaming it because, and the reason I know this is I contacted them through two different venues or, or through two different uh, paths. I mean, <clears throat> to tell them that I was having problems streaming something else. If anyone wants to know, it was the Fresh Prince reunion on HBO Max. <laughs> and both people, I sent in a thing that was like, hey, I'm having a hard time. That's, you know, streaming the Fresh Prince. Like I said what I was having a hard time with. And both people wrote back and they were like, okay, so just to be clear, it's the new Conjuring film. I'm like, nope nope definitely never said that wouldn't watch it i'm afraid of it so the first person did it i was like oh maybe they're just you know out to lunch or something but then the second person did it i was like i guess they're having a hard time with the new conjuring film man it's like that's one thing with digital streaming now like the whole mayweather fight and logan paul fight recently we're not talking about shut that. down no i know but it shut down it shut down showtime though like the like we talk about like Good. some pros and cons that's a, a showtime <laughs> guess i know about pros and cons of the digital like streaming era and that's one of them the overload of popular content or quickly released content so it's like and it's for some reason it, it continues to happen each time it's like they can never figure out how much traffic something's that, going to take that fight so i for people that don't know i'm into martial arts i'm into mixed martial arts i'm into boxing and i had more people who have never texted me about a legitimate boxing fight or mma fight text me and they're like what do you think about logan logan paul and i'm like i don't care and it was people that i've i've tried to invite over my house for like real good fights of talented people i'm like so i'm like losing my number but yeah no it's it's it the streaming thing is crazy man like i even with ufc now 
you have to download ESPN plus the app and then you have to order pay-per-views through the app. And it's weird. I, I don't like it personally. I, I wish I've said to multiple people that I wish that the UFC, for example, or WBC in boxing or whatever you want, or, or a certain promotion in boxing, I, I would rather them say, Eric, will you give us $75 a month and you get every pay-per-view then say, give us $10 a month or $15 a month. And then you still have to buy the pay-per-view. I'd rather you just like take my money than and not have that way. I don't have to do the, the work, but you know, what are you going to do other than that, other than sports, um, which is what I've been watching a lot of recently, but with the, uh, with the Red Sox killing it recently and the Bruins playoffs, which I'm a little bit nervous about tonight. Um, but other than that, I recently rewatched, did you ever see the action movie, uh, the new version, newer version, early 2000s, Assault on Precinct 13. Yes, I have. And I'm sorry, if I'm a little, little talked right now, I have this giant spider on my desk and I hate spiders, Eric. So I, and I can't kill them either. So I have this like cup, I have it upside down over the spider so I can like try and save them after. But it's man, this is, a, this is a little black. This thing hopped. It was a scary little shit. But so yes, to answer, answer your question, I have seen it and it, I actually kind of enjoy it. <laughs> it's an it's an entertainingly bad movie. Yes. You know what I mean? It's it's you have to be clear. If you recommend it to somebody, you have to be like, listen, I don't get me wrong. This isn't an Academy Award winner. But if you just want to see some gunfights and like Ethan Hawke playing a weird character and stuff, it's entertaining. So other than that, that's pretty much it. Kind of looking for Bree and I are kind of looking for a new show to watch now that we're done. Shit's Creek, Dunmare of East Town. We don't really like know what's going on. So um, we're just still searching. But today, this is Joe's pick. And before he gets into what we're watching, which you guys heard the trailer, but it's a film that's set in New York City. So I'm drinking uh, a beer called Almost Famous from Torch and Crown Brewery in NYC. I'll share a pick of the can next to Joe's Blu-ray that I had to borrow because he picked the one George Clooney and the one Michelle Pfeiffer movie that's not available anywhere on anything to stream. So I had to borrow his Blu-ray copy of the DVD. But Joe, what are we what are we talking about today? Okay. This probably got away, Eric. So I'm a little I'm a little paranoid right now. If I like if if I scream really loud in this during the stream, it's because the spider has jumped on me and I'm going to freak out. So kind of hope that happens. Well, I do not. I'll be editing that out. So we are watching the film One Fine Day. And the reason why I picked it is there have been some articles and reunions earlier this year marking the 25th anniversary. So I watched this film as a kid and don't remember, didn't remember a whole lot about it other than the beautiful version of the song One Fine Day by Natalie Merchant. Then maybe about 10 years ago or around that time frame, I heard this version of the song again and knew I heard it from a movie, but I wasn't sure which one. Thankfully, it was pretty easy to track down. And to this day, it's a film I just sometimes will put on as like, background sound from from doing work or writing or something so that makes sense because i was like watching this movie i was like what is joe's attachment to this movie and i'm I'm not shit talking it it's just so interesting that a kid who was like what were you when this came out like seven or eight years old or something yeah probably yeah so i was like watching it and i'm like how did joe even end up with this in front of him but the song, the music, that makes sense. My memory of this one is I have absolutely no memory of it, which is crazy. And we'll get into why I think that is later. But uh, when, when you picked it, it didn't ring a bell. When I looked it up, 
still nothing. So, which is crazy because I didn't think it was possible to be so unaware of a George Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer movie. But do you have any stats uh, as far as how it did financially, Spider Wrangler? Update. Just got the spider. We're good. We're good. <laughs> All right. So, sleep at night. <laughs> dude, this thing is like, it might have hair on the back of it. Like, it is a scary looking little bastard. All right. This it's is very, this is not, not a good look for you. Not a good look for you, Joe. I, <laughs> hey, listen, I don't like heights. I don't like spiders. Those are my two fears, everyone. And we're good. My fears are all uh, animals that I, unless something goes horribly wrong, won't run into. Like, I'm afraid of uh, crocodiles, which I, we live in Massachusetts. Odds are pretty good that I won't run into a crocodile. I am afraid of grizzly bears. Not black bears. Did you hear a black bear? Joe, you live relatively I close keep to me. Hearing, I keep getting these like ring notifications. Like, Joe, there's one like in my backyard, not literally, but there was one like one I of heard. our neighbors. Yeah. I get the ring, yeah. I get these ring notifications of people like sharing things about the community. And I keep like the last like three years, I've seen different bear notifications like Jesus. <laughs> but that's a black bear, which to be clear, I don't have any desire to fight a black bear, but I'm not afraid of the black bears because they generally, from what I read, don't hunt humans for no reason, but grizzly bears and Kodiak bears and all that stuff scare the shit out of me, but we don't have any of those around here, at least not yet. Because so anyway, so it's that way, but yes, first stats, one fine day came out on December 20th, 1996. And while I couldn't find how much it costs to make, it did end up making 97.5 million in the box office. It was written by Terrell Seltzer and Ellen Simon and directed by Michael Hoffman. It's also worth noting that Michelle Pfeiffer is also one of the producers. Yes, and I'll get into that here in a second. So um, pretty safe to say this is this is kind of a, a flop financially. Yeah, you would think $97.5 million for this movie is pretty good, but the interview I'm going to share in a little bit, <clears throat> George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer say otherwise, that it pretty much was a box office bomb. Yeah, and I have, I have with, uh, we'll get into one of the big reasons why, but so how it was received or how it's remembered critically online. So it's a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's about what I would guess, kind of just middle of the road. Um, two stars from Roger Ebert. And this is a, a quote from Roger Ebert's review. He, he quotes someone else to start, start his, his quote. He, so his quote, the quote that he references is, cinema is a history of boys photographing girls, or so Jean-Luc Godard is claimed to have said. I thought of his words while watching One Fine Day, an uninspired formula movie with another fine performance by Michelle Pfeiffer. She does everything in the movie, in this movie, that a much better movie would have required from her, but the screenplay lets her down. Since Pfeiffer is one of the producers, she can blame herself. So that was his view of, he gave it two stars. That's pretty totally... much how I feel about this too. Like it's, no, I don't think, uh, the review we'll talk about after, but like, I do feel like it's, you know, it's formula, it's, it's a regular romantic comedy formula nothing new right so we talked about then how it did financially so stuff that was going on this time in the world in film so so this was what was it joe is december of 96 correct yes okay so in film this came out one week after jerry Maguire. so right there you're done because anyone who would be seeing this movie, like who would be taking their girlfriend or their wife or their boyfriend or husband, or whatever, to the movies to see uh, some sort of romantic movie, you're going up against Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. You're done. And the reason that that's 
even if if it was just this is when it was supposed to come out and it happened around Jerry Maguire, it would be unfortunate. But it it wasn't. This was they moved the release date up. They did because because it screened so well at test audiences, so they're very confident. <laughs> right, and that makes no sense because right. a this isn't a December movie. Like right. nothing watching this movie, and and New York City is the ultimate. If you release a movie in December that's set in New York City, I better see like the tree and the Rockefeller tree. I better see like snow and all that stuff. So that makes no sense. Um, and then also to go up against Jerry Maguire when, you know, you don't know what, how it's going to do, but you know, it's a Tom Cruise movie with like a little bit of a romance plot in it. Like, what are you doing? But besides that other films that came out that month, December is usually a pretty good month in film daylight came out, which that's, you know, guilty, guilty pleasure, Mars attacks, Evita, scream michael with john travolta and ghosts of mississippi outside of film just a couple only sports related because the other ones were kind of depressing uh wayne gretzky becomes i'm watching i'm trying to trying to host a podcast here joe and dude the fucking spider i had this like little starbucks like i had this like cup that's old and it's like one of those plastic ones you put the thing over like plus a cover and it escaped, Eric. I can't fucking believe it. Good, it I, hope it, I hope it bites you. I hope it <laughs> bites you or it stings you or whatever spiders do. This is embarrassing. So outside of film, I, I hope that you can... I wish that we were recording the video of this and I could record this. And if you ever have kids someday, I could show it to your kids and be like, look at your father. What an embarrassment. You know what? They'll understand. No. Nothing no. comes good ass spiders. <laughs> um, uh, funny story. When I was... So my wife, uh, who I kind of like reconnected with when we were 25, when I was in high school, like early high school, maybe a freshman, I was supposed to go to a party or something where she was going to be. And like, I had a huge crush on her and we were like, I thought she had a crush on me. And that night while I was sleeping, I got bit by a spider on my lip and I had like a giant, my lips swelled up to like, this. it looked like I had like a like a pee on my lip or something like that, or like uh, like a, a blueberry-sized bump on my lip. So that's what I hope happens to you. See, but I, <laughs> this thing might do more than that. I'll probably wake up with like some sort of like... I hope I hope so. Honestly, this going is, on this is embarrassing. So outside of film, other news highlights, a couple sports ones, Wayne Gretzky becomes the first and only player to reach a 3,000-point plateau in the NHL. And a big one in Boston, Roger Clemens signs with Toronto and shocks Red Sox fans like myself. And does something that I will never forgive him for. So, anyway, Joe, even though I'm borrowing your Blu-ray copy, do you have the back of DVD or back of VHS summary of this one or no? I do. So, Melanie Parker is an architect who needs to give a very important presentation. Jack Taylor is a reporter looking to land a big scoop for his story. Both are single parents whose children, Sammy and Maggie, respectively, missed the bus for a field trip. Left with their kids on such a hectic day, Park and Taylor decide to put aside their bickering and juggle babysitting duties, but the rambunctious children don't make it easy. I think it's funny that they call them rambunct- rambunctious children because the children were infinitely more mature than the, than the parents <laughs> they, in this one. really were. But so, so anyway, so, uh, some the two really, well, we can touch on what the kids were doing because the kids, especially uh, Mae Whitman, who played the daughter, she had a pretty good career. She was in uh, One Fine Day, uh, obviously this. So Independence Day, Hope Floats, 
Then she was on Jag. And then Alex Linz, who played the boy, who played Michelle Pfeiffer's son, he was also in The Cable Guy, uh, worth a late fee alum. Then he, this got him the role uh, in Home Alone 3. And then he did some voice work. And uh, he was also in Max Keeble's Big Move and some other stuff. So, you know, he had a, a nice little... Yeah. Nice little career. But the, the two big names, obviously, in this are Michelle Pfeiffer and George Clooney. And I think that um, when you look at where they were in their careers, it makes sense that I hadn't heard of or seen this movie. So Michelle Pfeiffer, legitimate superstar up until right before this, probably. So they kind of got Michelle Pfeiffer. She's still, don't get me wrong, she's still a like movie star. But they got her a little bit past her prime. And George Clooney, while he was still doing the TV thing with on ER and he was successful on TV, but he hadn't he hadn't really become a full big screen star yet. So Michelle Pfeiffer, um, like I said, when you introduced this, I was never a huge Pfeiffer fan. And looking through her 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 resume, like I said, I kind of just missed her prime personally. So breakthrough role as Elvira in Scarface in, in 86. Also in Witches of Eastwick in 87, Married to the Mob in 88, Dangerous Liaison in 88, uh, Fabulous Baker Boys in 89. And those two movies, uh, Dangerous Liaison and uh, Fabulous Baker Boys, she got Academy Award nominations for uh, Best Supporting and Best uh, Actress. Uh, She was in Russia House, Frankie and Johnny, Batman Returns, obviously, as Catwoman, Dangerous Minds in 95, which probably because of my age, that's what I think of when I think of Michelle Pfeiffer on the big screen is Dangerous Minds and then Catwoman. And then I know her from Scarface. And then this, One Fine Day in 96. She's obviously had other stuff since then, but her prime was kind of the 80s into the early 90s. This is probably the start of her not not descent in a bad way but her just drop down to uh, you know not a mega star george clooney not a ton of big screen work before this like i said t- tons of tv success on er which ran from 94 to 99 but not the biggest film uh, but not really a ton on the big screen the biggest film role before this was dust till dawn in 96 which is kind of like a would you call that like a cult classic dust till dawn Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think yeah. almost anything Rodriguez related is like right. turning into like a cult movie. Right. But this is the beginning of quite the huge career on, on, uh, in film. So, uh, this Batman and Robin, Thin Red Lied, Three Kings, Perfect Storm, which is, did, did we just talk about that recently? I think we, I don't know. We got to do that movie soon because I but definitely, I, every time I go to, um, Gloucester with my wife, I start, she's never seen it. And I start doing like the horrible Boston accent from, from perfect storm and she's like what are you what are you talking about uh oh brother where art thou oceans 11 confessions of a dangerous mind good night and good luck syriana michael clayton burn after reading up in the air and on and on and on and looking through his his resume i couldn't help but think that george clooney owned my years when i worked at movie scene like there were so many movies that i was like yep i remember putting that away on the new release wall between 2003 and 2007 like he that was he was on top of the world for that, for that run. So that's pretty much it. Like I said, we gave a little bit on the kids, but that's, that's really it. Did you have anything for the more, you know, random facts? A few things. So I have a couple I saw online, but I want to get into a couple of different articles as well. Um, when Maggie Taylor forgets the kid's name, it was not part of the script. May woman actually forgot the kid's name and stayed in character. 
the director thought it was cute and kept it in the movie. I saw that, but I didn't write that down. I, that is, that is, I like stuff like that. Me too. And I have no one just like that. It's not as, it's not as kind of cute, but it's still a funny thing that happened that was left in the film. Near the end, when Melly bumps into the table in her apartment, it was apparently not in the script. Michelle Pfeiffer's clumsiness was therefore left in the movie. And let me pull up a couple articles here because, again, this was the 25th anniversary. Or actually, actually I think it came out 24 years ago, technically, I believe. But they have all these different things coming out as of this year with the anniversary. Um, and George Clooney, actually, when he was going to start working, he was hungover. He was so drunk from the night before. So he was saying when they reunited virtually for one of the, I believe it was one of those variety things when they get the actors together and talk about like their experiences and promote their upcoming work. Um, George Clooney said, I woke up at five in the morning. I was like, I feel okay. Then I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, I'm so drunk. I got to the set and we walked to the trailer and sat down and you looked at me, you go, what? And I was like, I didn't know we were going to work today. And you go, you're so drunk. It's a scene where uh, it's a scene we did in Awana where you and I are talking back and forth to each other. Clint continued, I kept trying to spray whatever mouth spray I could because I smelled like like a brewery, Pfeiffer said, like a distillery. Clint finished. <laughs> um, and then during the production of One Fine Day, Clooney was also felt during a lunch break basketball game with the crew, he said, in which he took an elbow in the face that broke his eye socket. It kept swelling. And I was like, I can still shoot, he said. I remember we actually shot scenes where we blocked half of my face with a kid. Um, I so saw that. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty fine back and forth. And then another article I have is with Mae Whitman now talking about how much she loves George Clooney. So when she, obviously she's had a lot of work since that she's worked with great actors like Sandra Bullock, Will Smith and so forth. But she always says that she had a really good connection with George Clooney. And she mentions in this article, George and I stay close for many, many years. I think one of the last times I saw him, I was with my ex-boyfriend at a movie theater. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I went up and I was like, George, oh my God. And he immediately beelined past me and grabbed the guy I was dating at the time. It was like, if you ever hurt her, I will hunt you down. I feel like we will always have that connection. So here's the thing about George Clooney. He's kind of like a throwback to like old Hollywood stuff where like, he's obviously like a freakishly good looking dude, but he's not. He's not like a gym rat. He's not jacked out of his mind. He's just a good-looking dude, well-dressed guy. Now, that story you just told about Mae Whitman, if I was dating a girl and she even knew George Clooney, I would be insecure about it. But at the same time, he's not a physically intimidating dude. I'd be like, if George Clooney ever came out to me and said something, I'd be like, dude, you can get the fuck out of my face. Like, I'll, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not, I list, yeah, I understand you make eight bajillion dollars, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Clooney. Go get your friend The Rock or something if you want to <laughs> intimidate me. But yeah, that's a good, that's a good story. Um, I had just a couple. Uh, the first one is a kind of a casting possibility. The studios initially wanted Kevin Costner or Tom Cruise to play Jack Taylor, but they passed and then Clooney ultimately got the part. And then George Clooney had actually met Michelle Pfeiffer years before. In the early 80s, he had gone on a few dates with Michelle's sister, Dee Dee Pfeiffer. So what are the odds of that small world? But um, did you run it down for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's PC world? Uh, Just some homophobic jokes that happened very quickly and don't linger on. So like once something is said, it was pretty much, you know, in the past. So obviously, like we talked about in the beginning here, 
things that you that you know would definitely raise some brows if I was mentioned in a movie today. But it again, it wouldn't. It didn't change the movie for me at all, and it was really yeah. really quick. Even today, I think anything anything in the fence like there's stuff where you know he makes comments about someone speaking English and um, the the gay stuff, and it, it was stuff that even if it was released today there would be people that would be offended by it and rightfully so, but it wouldn't be, I don't really even think it would really stand out that much. Today. I think most of it, there's also some like stuff about like gender stuff and whatever, but it's, it's all like you're not like you have to be sensitive to be looking for it, but it, it's not super offensive. Like some movies we watch, it's like, Oh yeah. You know, if they use like in can't hardly wait, which we did last week, when you hear that the homophobic slur, like the F, F word, you're like, whoa, because you're you're not used to hearing that anymore, thankfully. But this one, not so much. It was all kind of like subtle, which still stinks. But what are you gonna do? Um, what did you have down for favorite scene? Uh, but you know what? Before you even go, I didn't really have one scene, and I'm not trying to cop out. I just there wasn't one scene that really grabbed me. That, that so what I wrote was it's kind of like a. Uh, some common elements that scenes that I did like. So the shooting in New York city is great. Um, just, you know, they tried to get some of the, the big, you know, if you did a Hollywood tour of New York city, you'd probably hit on some of the places that they filmed yeah. for this movie and for others. And, and we've talked about it in other movies or other films, how in the right film, New York city is a character and in this movie, I think New York City is probably the best character other, other than the kids. I think the kids are good. And that was the other thing I wrote is I like the kids. But I, I guess if I had to pick a favorite scene, anything that really highlights like one of the New York City landmarks, but there wasn't an actual dialogue that like grabbed me. So what about you? I was going to say, I should kind of pick back on what you just said a second ago. Uh, I, I really do like some of the landmarks I visit. Like, again, we see a brief scene with them. I didn't write this down, but with their visiting starting to be three for the frozen hot chocolate things like that where i that's a whole movie based off that now so i'll start with john cusack but it was just cool seeing seeing these landmarks after going to school in new york they're still there and like you know they still look pretty similar to what are portrayed in this movie but for me i have a few things written down here i love how the movie starts off in the rain as we see some people sort of lonely and sad in their apartment windows we see a man playing a piano a dog waiting by the door for its owner and older couple um, looking sort of stressed out coming money together. And then we see single mother, Melanie, all this is happening to the song one fine day, which already makes this film feel sort of nostalgic, almost as if it could have been taken right out of the fifties. Um, and then at the very end of the movie, we see the camera pan across the same apartment building with all the sad people from earlier. It's no longer raining out and the older couple are still together, not looking as stressed out as they were before. The dog's owner comes home and the dog is happy. We see the piano player sharing a laugh with a possible love interest. It's a really pretty touch that I didn't really pick up in previous watches in the past until now. The chemistry between Clooney and Pfeiffer, I thought was really good. And the kids do a great job keeping up with them. And to make a note that other than some of those scenes, this film being the definition, this film is the definition of a, of a cozy film and the soundtrack is amazing. So for the soundtrack, I'll let you talk about that uh, for the most part, I agree with you that the soundtrack is one of the stronger parts of the film. The one like random fact that I had taken down and put in the soundtrack section is the film features many uses of the song One Fine Day right throughout, right throughout, including composer 
James Newton Howard's score, which serves as the love, love theme for Pfeiffer and Clooney's characters. But I agree with you that I, I do like that song. And, I, and the, the soundtrack was one of the one of the stronger points of the film. So what did you have down? Though? I'm sure you got quite the list. I have I don't know a whole lot, but I have motion. There's like I mentioned for the, my favorite section there. I love the soundtrack. Love, love, love it. It's one of those things that I remember most about this movie. The song One Fine Day has always stuck with me. And while I love the original version by the Shyfans, I love the version for this film, sung by Nelly Merchant, which is slowed down quite a bit compared to the original. It also has songs um, such as The Boy from New York City, Mama Said, and a whole lot of other classics. We have some Van Morrison. So it's yeah, it's the reason I, why I, the Van yeah, Morrison was good. It's so good. Like it's had the reason why this movie has kind of like that cozy feeling about it, I think, is because of the soundtrack. The cozy feeling and it's to do a movie that's like really New York, you have to have the right soundtrack because it, it just it goes so well when you see like the scenes of the of the city. And if you have the right song set to that moment, it's it's perfect. So if you could change one thing about it, I'll go first with this one. It might kind of go against something that you have already said, but I thought that a lot of the dialogue between Clooney and Pfeiffer was like kind of not believable. And I, and I read that they were trying to make it seem like an old Hollywood film. And I kind of see what they were trying to do. But at some points, I just think they, they kind of whiffed on it. But I, I give them credit for trying to do something different. But for example, there's a moment where she says to him, um, she calls him to say, go pick up the kids. And she goes from thinking this guy is like the biggest dirtbag ever to over a phone call she does a complete 180 and falls falls in love with him in one fine day is playing in the background and it's just like it's not super believable it was quite the day it was one hell of a day for them yeah (laughs) but 10 seconds before that she thought he was incorrectly a horrible father a man skank and she was right and he agrees to pick up the kids and she even he even kind of was like like a little bit like flirty rude in a way doing it and she falls in love with him and it was all over the phone too so it wasn't even like she was just looking at handsome george clooney and he got her it was uh, stuff like that there was a few moments where i was just that some of the editing like the scene i can't remember what the conversation is but it was uh this is going to be translate horribly to an audio podcast but uh like uh george clooney comes in from the left and says they're both facing each other and then like they both walk away and then each of them are coming in from either side of the screen while the other one's walking away. It just, it seemed a little, like I said, I get what they were trying to do, but it, it didn't work out for me. And you know what this movie really did is it made me appreciate when Harry met Sally. I, I If I could go back and change my score, I think I gave when Harry met Sally a four. And I think you and Bree gave it a five. I would probably yeah. give it a, I would give it a five. And um, one more thing, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the film, how about the end when her Clooney and Pfeiffer tell their kids to go lay down like 10 feet away and then like scream at each other arguing. And then Clooney makes like a very aggressive. What would you do if I kissed you right now move? And they start getting hot and heavy until the kids break it up. It's like, who is in charge here? Who are the adults, <laughs> George and Michelle? But, but yeah, that, that was it. I, I kind of see what you're saying that in their two, there's some chemistry, but it wasn't their. Chem- I guess. I guess what I should say is it wasn't their chemistry that I didn't believe. It was Again, some I, of the dialogue. And that's the thing. Like I, after hearing what you said about Roger, with Roger Ebert, I do agree with that. I think the script. If it was a better script, it could have been really a, a really memorable film. 
and uh, and uh, to give Michelle Pfeiffer credit, she carries this film for me as far as the adults because yeah. George Clooney, who and I like George Clooney now, but in this one he seemed very much like. But again, it was kind of the character too that. And Ryan, like my quote from him being a kid is is from him. It's like he is like he really is. He isn't the most mature adult right. for sure. Right. Right. So anyway, what what would you change if you could change anything? So I thought about this and there's really not a whole lot more I can say about One Fine Day other than this movie is really kind of paced from so many other films before it. We've seen it a million times and it does nothing unpredictable. Two people who bicker throughout end up liking each other in the end. And there are two kids who bicker the entire film end up liking each other. They could have done, you know, different things mixed up a bit, like having Melanie's husband have a bigger presence in the film, causing a bit more drama. But instead, this follows a very simple route. Um, one thing that was perfect, though, is like we just, I, I, we, you guys kind of talked about how this could be, you know, debatable, but I thought the casting was perfect. George Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer, Mae Whitman, and Alex D. Lenz all do a great job throughout the movie. And this is another where the child actors don't bring it down. But I, this was kind of tied into my favorite thing about this movie. And while I mentioned the addition of drama from Melanie's husband a second ago, I'm happy it doesn't do that personally. The reason why I enjoy this movie so much is because it's easy to watch. The drama, while it would seem large in real life, you know, risk of being fired from your job, the movie makes it not come off as strong and avoids that part of the drama. So I sort of appreciate that. And that's the reason why I, it's considered such an easy watch for me. It's something I can just put in the background. So while I do think the drama would have helped it long term with like, you know, Melanie and you know, her husband, I'm happy personally I didn't go that route either. I think I think with the, her husband thing, they should have. He, there was no reason for him to be in the movie right. as much as he was. It was like they should have. This sounds messed up, but they should have just made it that he died or he it was on tour, which is what I thought that was going to be the whole thing. Right. Like he's on right. tour the entire time or yeah. in the studio. Yeah, that was weird. But um, yeah, I, I, I what I said about them not having chemistry or the chemistry, they had chemistry. It was just this. It was the script, really, that I had a hard time with. But, anyways, um, I think we've we've come to the spot in the in the podcast where we give our scores on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So, score of one is low. It's you get to that opening scene that Joe talked about with the dog waiting for his owner, and you get so sad because you're like me and you love dogs more that you just turn it off. Uh, or score of five, which is you're you're going to keep it for to watch the film, keep it a couple extra days so your friends can watch it. Maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so you can just keep it forever. So it was Joe's pick this week. So I'm going to go first. Um, and I told Joe, I texted Joe when I, when uh, before I watched it, but when I knew what we were going to be watching and I was like, I have a theory about movies like this. And my theory is I think romantic comedies got a bad rap, particularly from guys, particularly from guys around our age, or younger, like even under 40. And my opinion on romantic comedies is that 90% of them fall into this like category where it's perfectly okay. There aren't many romantic comedies that are very bad and you turn off. And there also aren't many when Harry met Sally's in my opinion, where they're like, wow, that was really good. So I think that especially in the nineties, they like romantic comedies were just guaranteed success if you had the right people. So 
the downside of that was they churned out so many of them without putting like a ton of thought or work into it. But, and I think that this one, it was a little bit like that, but it tried to do some things different. And I give them credit for that. Like I said earlier, I love the single parent story, um, which, you know, coming from my, I'm, I didn't grow up in a single parent household. My parents are divorced, but I was definitely in that situation where one parent at a time was watching over um, my brother and I. So I like that. Uh, but the main characters are just tough to root for, They're, especially Clooney. He was such a, it wasn't like Adam Sandler and Big Daddy where he was like a good dude who was a bad dad. He just seemed like a dirtbag, but the kids were great. Pfeiffer was okay. Like I said, Clooney was a, a tool. I gave this one, I wanted to give it a perfectly mediocre score, but I took a little notch off. I gave it 2.25 out of five, just a smidge under mediocre for me. Okay. No, I like your theory, though. I, I do agree with your, your theory that, you know, like you said, there's a lot of these thought, a lot of these films out there, especially the 90s, and a lot of them are very mediocre. You know, you, you go into these films knowing we're going to get out of them, which is pretty much what I say in this review in a second. But, like, it's they're easy to watch from, like, I say that so many times, but, like, <clears> you really don't, you, you'll watch this for an hour and a half, however long it is. You walk out of the theater, you don't really think about it anymore for that as much. It's like, it's a simple time killer. And, and I think, so what do you think? Because I, I think there's definitely been a, um, there's still some good romantic comedies around, but I think that the 90s and early 2000s were kind of like the prime of it. Yeah. What do you think the reason for the, I have a lot of, the, the, the romantic comedies in the 90s and early 2000s are kind of how I feel about superhero movies now, yeah. where it's just like, there's just too many of them. I'm talking about superheroes now where I can't even superhero movies. Now yes. I can't even get interested in one because I'm like, you, there was one out. There's a new one out every week. And I wonder if that's what happens if they just flooded the market with it, but they did. It, like, and like, and I, I think a lot, like we still see them, you know, throughout, but I think a big reason why we don't see as many is because we have things like run tomatoes now made a critic and IMDb ratings where like they can easily get just destroyed in the ratings. And it actually will sway people from seeing these films. Whereas the nineties, you would see a different, you know, rom coming release almost every other week i felt like and then yeah. but yeah i like so, them though like you said i i've always enjoyed them i i they're pretty easy time kills for me <laughs> yeah they're they're like i said guys are afraid to a lot of guys are like insecure or whatever the reason is i'm not you know i'm not a shrink but they don't want to admit that they like them or and i'm not saying they all have to be your favorite movie ever but like you said a lot of them are pretty easy you know 90 minute 110 minute movies where you just put it on, you turn your brain off and whatever. But yeah. Anyway, what's so, so your pick, what do you, what do you think? What's your score? I give it a three. It's one fine day is as I said a couple of times throughout this episode, it's a cozy film. There isn't any real drama that changes a whole lot. You know where it's going the entire film, you know how it's going to end and that's okay. It's a film filled with predictable moments throughout. And it's pretty much copy and paste from other romantic comedies before this, but the thing in New York, the Christmas between the leads and their kids and the amazing soundtrack all work in its favor. It wasn't a film that was going to win any awards, but you know what you're going to get, which is a sweet romantic comedy in the end. I think that, and tell me what you think about this. And I know they didn't know this was going to happen when they were filming it, but this movie got released in December. If it got released like two weeks, say it got released around Thanksgiving instead of around Christmas. And instead of, them running around New York City in what looks to be like the spring or the fall, 
if they're running around New York City and like around Christmas season, I think this movie does way better. Like, you know what? Real quick, let me read another part of this article that I was going to bring up earlier, but since you just brought this up, it touches upon this. Yeah. So, um, though One Fine Day is considered beloved these days, it bombed. Pfeiffer, who was an executive producer of the movie as well as starring in it, said that it had tested so well that the studio got a little too cocky and moved up the release date from February to Christmas leaving them no time to do any real press. Didn't we, didn't we get beaten by Beavis and Butthead, she asked? Yeah, it was bad when we said. So <laughs> the fact yeah. that it was moved from February to December, it's quite the right. jump. Yeah, because it, 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 it this is not a December movie at no. all. But yeah, no, I think your score is fair. And you grew up with it more than I did, so that that's fair. Um, all that said, so the beer was delicious. Uh, almost famous from torch and crown brewery in new york city like i said i'll i'll share a picture of the of the can on instagram follow us on instagram worth a late fee so worth a late fee suggestions are always welcome we'll be back next week and it's we're doing the alternating picks as usual so uh it's my pick this is joe's pick um going to my pick next week this is another cult classic uh that i haven't seen in a very long time. I'm sure Joe's seen it. I'm interested to see what he's going to think about it. I'm also interested to think what I'm going to to see what I think about it because I haven't watched it in so long. The 1979 film, The Warriors. Oh, you know what? I've seen this in a long time either. So I'm sure I'm, I'm very curious in how both yeah. of our reactions are going to be. It'll be an interesting this. rewatch for sure. It will. And I'll give an update in the spider situation because it is still MIA around my area here. So if I don't catch it tonight, I'm sleeping. All right. someplace else pray for joe thanks guys <laughs> thoughts and prayers yes. yeah yeah thoughts and prayers for joe see, <laughs> see you next week guys, or talk to you next week guys all right as always thank you